episode 25 that's funny now i'm your host alpha mike and i know you're probably wondering well wait a minute that's not what he had on the website lpoliceradio.com we actually on episode 25 it was going to be the second amendment but i switched them around i switched them around because i i believe it's time to laugh and when you have too much tragedy too much sorrow, too much sadness. In order to refuel your system, you have to laugh. It's very important. It's what fueled me for my career, and it kept me going. Recently, as today as I speak, they're viewing a good, loyal, respected friend of mine, Sergeant Sebastian Garcia. And I was advised uh, several days ago that he had passed away and found out tragically enough through Facebook an actual posting somebody had posted there. When I first saw it, my first reaction was, this is terrible, what kind of joke is this? And then I noticed who posted it a person that was very uh, loyal and friends with Sebastian. And then I stood shocked for a second and I started scrolling through my phone and I discovered that another close friend 
had been trying to notify me and call me, and I hadn't heard the phone ringing. I was at the fair at the time. And I said, it's got to be true. And it's tragic. I was in that state that I didn't really want to deal with people. I want to just deal with the issue at hand. And I go, well, you know, I got an agenda. I've got a bunch of things. I still have to do a bunch of radio programs and schedules set, and I got to stick to it. And then I decided, you know, I, before I decided, I remembered. If, if, if you knew Sebastian, he's a heavy set guy. He was, was had a very good sense of humor. Very rarely, if ever, did you ever see him upset. And he had a very unique laugh, sort of like a, a giggle. And for a big guy, that, that little giggle was was an oddity in itself. And I recall his his little giggles. And I said, I'm I'm going to dedicate this show, it's, it's that's funny, to Sebastian. A tragic loss, tragic loss to a lot of his friends, to the unit that he supervised, to the countless amount of officers that he helped. Towards the end of the show, or right following the conversation, I'll talk more about him. But today we're going to enjoy That's Funny. And I, I played a couple of three segments on, on comedians. You know, laughing and humor moves the endorphins in the brain. It changes and transforms you from being upset to being joyful from being confused about certain things to knowing that there's a future. Laughter and humor makes you go through the day. It carries you. If you're in law enforcement, you know that if you ever make a mistake in in uniform and it's witnessed just by one person, it doesn't have to be more, You know, the scripture says two or more, but in law enforcement, just one actually witness you doing something wrong. You were going to be the brunt of jokes for several days, weeks, months, even a career. Some some people's nicknames were were built on a mistake that they made. And humor got a lot of us through the tragedies that we were seeing on a daily basis. But our humor was unique. Our humor was only understood by us. A case example of that is recently I saw a posting on Facebook, and I'll post it on lpoliceradio.com, and I can assure you once you see it, you're going to go... This is gross. There's nothing funny about this. You might chuckle a little bit, but your first reaction is going to be it's gross. But see, the way I'm wired and the way that I was wired based on my career, that uh, video feed was a guy, not necessarily what he was doing, but what he did. He was cleaning a um, drain in a shower. And so he was posting it on YouTube how to how to go about it and what were the steps. So, you know, the screwdriver, and you take out the two screws, and then you take out the metal lid, and and then he had something that looked like um like a a hanger, a coat hanger, metal coat hanger, and you kind of uh, bend the tip and then you pull and and this disgusting hair came out. So What's supposed to be, uh, it's supposed to be an informational video on how to do this drain cleaning really turned into a funny comedy spit because he starts to gag and gag and gag. And I just could not take out of my memory banks 
something that happened 20 years ago uh, when I was in law enforcement. And it was an incident um, that was totally disgusting and uh, how the bad guys were uh, gagging and gagging and gagging. And we and uh, the group of officers and our supervisor, we couldn't freaking stop laughing. It was just contagious. I mean, these guys were freaking dying over something that was disgusting. And because they were gagging, we were laughing. And 20 years went by, folks, 20 years. And I see this little skit video, and I remembered it, and I started laughing hysterically. People around me in my home were concerned. Are you all right? You're actually laughing at that? I couldn't contain myself. Well... I immediately copied and pasted the video and sent it off to my good buddy, my partner for many years. And it didn't take more than 30 seconds before the response came back. He put LOL, laughing his rear end off. And 20 seconds after that original text he sent me back, he goes, remember those dudes that, that were gagging? Man, right on point. Same thing I was thinking. Then I went, I copy-pasted again, and I sent it to my supervisor uh, at the time, which is uh, retired. Uh, and his response also was, remember that time? So right there and then, it, I, it's when I came up with the idea of this show. The three of us had a bond. Our bond was that sixth sense of humor that got us through our career, got us through that situation, got us through many situations. Today, as we're retired, we can sit back and we can chuckle at it. But it, it was to me, it was so curious. It was so wonderful, actually, how all of us had the same mindset. That, that moment in our history brought joy in a terrible situation, a disgusting situation, but it brought us joy. And so many times in your life, and especially in law enforcement, you need joy. Comedy is that bridge that from the horrible to the understanding to the tolerance to the joyfulness, it, it bridges those gaps. Uh, we had guys that had terrible accidents. Like one guy um, off duty was trying to cut a tree down and he took a chainsaw and made an accident and cut his fingers off. Well, in law enforcement, Although it's horrible, and maybe any other career, they think that we're sick. But how did we handle this? Easy. When he came back to work after a month or so, and we looked at his hands, his nickname was, was made. It followed him his entire career, and it's still going on today. He was Louis Fingers. It is the driving force that keeps us bonded in reality. Being and having humor does one important thing. It renews the soul. It renews your former thinking. It grounds you down to the level of reality. And it makes you look forward to the next day. I worked in one of the worst places imaginable. What, what made me come to work every day for 18 years that I was assigned to this one unit was my team. And what was the bond between our team? That we were a family. And what bonded us, what was one of the elements of that family? That we could joke about things that were tragic. That that's what got us through our day.
And there's a lot of stories that I can think of. Of course, some of them I have to wait an, an additional five years before I can release them. State of Florida, there's a statutory of seven years after retirement you can be indicted for. But it was so many things that were rooted on on on, on being funny. We had a a prisoner once that, you know, he had lost his feeling of hope of of being alive and it became hopeless. And as they were transporting him, he looked over the railing of the stairwell and he was on the sixth floor, I believe. And he looked over the stairwell and the officer really wasn't paying attention. He was handcuffed. And that's it. He went right over the railing and went down, hitting and clinging onto the stairwell and, and the stairs. He went down five, four, three, two. And he landed there on two, flat like a pancake. Oddly enough, nothing happened to him. But um, when when they wrote the report, the sergeant said, well, we got to put a location. So we might as well put 65432 uh, floors uh, on the location. A lot of the humor that dealt with uh, law enforcement, had you had to be there. You had to live it. If I tell you the incident and I tell you the story, it loses in translation because you didn't live it. It wasn't a lived experience. Therefore, there's no humor behind it. But it's what it's what grounded us. It's what kept us at that steady pace. But before we get more into that, it's time for some law enforcement news on the countdown. One. Aide to New York City Mayor Big Bird, Javon Coney, on January 14th, 2014, came just three days after the napping, loving mayor ticked off graduates at the Department of Corrections Academy by showing up nearly an hour late to their ceremony and delaying the affair. Yep, that's who he is, folks. He's on his own agenda. I get there when I get there. Sad. Two. Good old Bernie Sanders. Millionaires of billionaires. You know him, Wacky Bernie. Well, guess what? His son, Levi Sanders, is announcing he wants to run for Congress. So just when you think the wacky left can't get any wackier, well, guess what? They actually have offspring, and they're introducing them to the wacky world of communism. So Bernie Sanders' son, Levi, announced a run for Congress. The son of former presidential candidate Bernie Sanders has announced that he is running for a congressional seat in New Hampshire. Levi Sanders, 48, declared his candidacy for New Hampshire's first congressional district in a statement posted on Facebook. God help us. Another one. Wacky and nutty. Well, what are you going to do? Three. Florida, Florida lawmakers reject assault weapons ban approving bill allowing teachers to carry guns. Florida law Maker shot down an amendment on Monday that would have banned semi-automatic assault rifles like AR-15s used in Parkland School Massacre. They did not, however, agreeing to raise the legal age for purchasing a firearm to 21 and approving legislation that would give teachers the right to carry guns in school. The amendment were introduced as part of a package set a set of bills being offered of following the Nicholas Cruz uh, shooting. Florida State Rules Committee spent more than two hours debating the gun control issue before eventually casting their vote. According to NBC, senators also agreed to confiscate guns from people with mental illness issues in addition to raising their legal legally buying age uh, to 21. So the debate continues. Uh, Florida, of course, uh, being the state of this tragic incident, they felt compelled that they had to do something and doing quick. So the ban on assault rifles, nope, didn't pass. 
This is a gun-loving state. And uh, they introduced uh, increasing the age from 18 to 21. And lastly, confiscating the guns of those that are designated mentally ill. So this is going to be interesting as the cops go in search of the crazy with the gun. So stay tuned for that. There will be more um, fun-filled uh, stories, I'm sure, on that one. Nothing funny about this is a tragic story. And I think a lot of it is tragic because the system failed. And as you can see, the Broward County Sheriff's Office completely fell apart. The school board, I believe, missed a lot of cues here, too. And... Um, I think the people that were around him, even though some of them did alert uh, the authorities, but I think there was other people around him that kind of um, had a little hiccup and, and, and didn't report either. He carried out exactly what he said he was going to do, and that's unfortunate for society. It's an unfortunate incident for everybody in Broward County. I wish it didn't happen, but it did. But for me to blame a material instrument for the occurrence and actions of a human being is ridiculous and preposterous. That will be judged in the future by those historians that will look at our past and say, these people were nuts. They were trying to blame the rifle. And that's exactly what we're doing. There was a lot of things that could have been used. And I'm not going to get it, you know, you could have used a car, a truck, a knife. We can be here all day. He chose that avenue. It was accessible. It was legal for him to buy. I have understood he brought 10 rifles. Now you wonder, where does an 18-year-old kid come up with $10,000 approximately to get 10 rifles? So... There's more cues that are being missed. A lot of people are missing this. The people that he was staying with because his parents died had a safe to keep all these things, and they had to make sure that they were locked, and there was this issue with a key. Well, if you know he's a little batty, you know he's a little nuts, he's buying rifle after rifle, some more people, are, I think, are a little bit more responsible than what we're led to believe. But nevertheless, this um, Florida is going to continue having challenges like other states as well. And I said it in previous podcasts, if you believe that there's a woman out there, a mother, a grandmother, a great aunt, that is pro-Second Amendment over this school shooting, they could be pro-Second Amendment but I'm talking about the school shooting, then you're nuts. They're not. They're sympathetic. They're motherly. They think this is a horrible crime, which it is, and they also believe that something should be done. So that something is being done and being done from the highest levels. You know, folks, we're one tragedy away from a lot of changes, and we forget that. We forget that we should count the blessings of the things that we have. And they're not an absolute right. They're a blessing. And if you are a Second Amendment advocate like I am, Second Amendment means something to me. But I also have to recognize, and we're going to do a, a podcast following this one on the Second Amendment, that some of our greatest legal scholars have said it, it all boils down to the time frame and the society that is governing. So when we look at the Constitution and we hit ourselves in the chest and we put our chest out and we say, it's in the Second Amendment, so it stays, this is not necessarily true. And we'll discuss that in um, episode 26. So Florida continues to to battle with this uh, horrific uh, crime. Four. The lost law enforcement profession, as I like to say. Two Michigan correctional officers dress out by inmate. Eastern Township 
a prisoner in Iona Bellamy Creek Correctional Facility threw feces on two correctional officers last week, drenching one of them up to his shoulder. The Michigan Correctional Organization said Thursday, February 22nd, the correctional officers were preparing to escort a segregation prisoner back to his cell after a shower. When they approached him the uh, in the shower area, he threw a container with feces and water onto the officers. The officer's head was soaked with others and others had some fluid on their upper body. <laughs> yes. Who would do this? Come on, let, let, let's talk reality. Who would do this for anything less than 20 bucks an hour? You get, you get feces thrown at you. By a crook that's in jail already, so you can't really call the cops. And if you charge them, it's credit time served by the time it goes to trial. So guess what? You get to wear feces. So the next time you see a correctional officer out in the street, it's not all easy. Don't don't just say, oh, you guys are just sitting down watching TV and sucking up air conditioning. Yeah, okay. See if you would do it. I know cops that won't even go in there. Five. Here's another story on COs. PACO injured in attack, an inmate attack dies. Somerset uh, County, Pennsylvania, one of... Two COs who were assaulted by an inmate at the State Correctional Institution in Somerset has died. WJAC reports that the fallen officer identified as Sergeant Mark Bashman died from his injuries on Monday afternoon. Pennsylvania DOC Secretary John Welts said that the department is greatly saddened by Bashman's death. The minute we learn from this unprovoked, brutal attack on the sergeant and other officers who came to his aid, our hearts stake. We are greatly saddened by Sergeant Bashman's death, and our thoughts are with the family and so forth. A lot of people think that when you are working with the criminal inside the prison environment, the jail environment, the juvenile justice environment, that it's a safe haven. It's not. It's a pit. Think about where you live and think about the worst environment or worst area of where you live. Well, the inside of a jail, the inside of a prison is about 10 times as worse. So they're not opposed to have weapons, but they do. They're not opposed to have drugs, but they have them. They're not opposed to be disrespectful, but follow the rules, but they don't. And there's a lot of things that are, really don't happen the way they should happen in correctional institutions. And you look how much officers are being paid. It's sad and depressing, it really is. On one side, we arrest them in the street, we bring them into the correctional institutions. We take them within the criminal justice system. We convict them. And somebody's got to put up with this for whatever length of time that they were sentenced to. The same bizarre, sinister, horrific behavior that's never been rehabilitated and can never be rehabilitated. And we have to put up with it. And that my friends, you can't put a price tag on someone's salary, what they have to endure. So our forgotten law enforcement friends over there in corrections. Uh, oh, here's another one. Six. Corrections, 12 inmates injured in Arizona prison disturbance. Eloy, Arizona, 12 inmates and uh, at least one guard. Huh? Uh, they like to call them guards. At the private Southern Arizona prison, were injured Sunday during an apparent riot. Apparent, you, know, you got all these people in injured, and the, and the media says apparent morons. That yeah. took hours for authorities to contain. A prison spokesman and police said the violence began around 8:30 in the morning at the Red Rock Correctional Facility in El Eloy, Arizona, after an inmate-on-inmate -inmate disturbance 
according to Jonathan Burns, a spokesman for, can you say spokesman? I don't know about this. For the Nashville, Tennessee-based Core Civic, which is uh, operates the prison. So it's a private prison company. So can't, can't you just think about it, folks? The future that you can have in private corrections, making maybe, maybe $14, $15 an hour. Yeah, come on. You could do it. Get held hostage. Get feces thrown on you. Come on. Get beat up to the... To an inch to your life, okay, or get your life taken from you. Yeah, sure, you could do it. Why not? Seven. All right, let's get back into the police world. Florida Sheriff defends his leadership after the shooting. Said, Orlando, Florida, Florida Governor Rick Scott on Sunday asked the State Department of Law Enforcement, which is the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, to investigate the response to the Parkland School Massacre as questions mount over the Broward County Sheriff's Office handling of the shooting. The announcement came just hours after Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel appeared on CNN and denied any blame for his agency's misstep and tooted his own amazing leadership. Now, I've already stated <clears throat> on, on some social media that we can't do like the wacky left and all of a sudden pronounce somebody guilty because they were found guilty on CNN. There has to be an investigation, and there's some real questions that have to be answered. <clears throat> Number one, who, who is the person in Broward County Sheriff's Office that had, during the shooting, tactical command? Two, who had supreme command? Three, how many deputies from BSO responded four when was the last time they were trained on active shooting five what certificates did everybody have was everybody rifle certified was everybody certified in all the bells and whistles six who knew what during and after the incident seven compared to the Broward County Sheriff's Office the Coral Springs Department, their actions on response during real time and uh, comparing their approach to the Broward Sheriff's Office. Now, I'm no fan of uh, Sheriff Scott here, uh, excuse me, Sheriff uh, Scott Israel, because I think he got off easy on the escape in the courthouse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're listening to this. You have no idea. About a year ago, there was a, a prisoner that escaped out of the courthouse. Hey. It, was, it, was, it was just sad. It, was a, a, it looked like a bad comedy. And how he got out of handcuffs and pushed this one and ran down that way and went out and disappeared in the car and all this other stuff. And the sheriff couldn't wait. He, he went down there as fast as his car would take him to stand in front of a, a microphone Taxi. and blame this on the system. He blamed it on somebody else, and this time he blamed it on the county commissioners. Oh, because you don't fund me properly. This is what, what happened. And there was all kinds of missteps. He got off easy on that one. And then we had the charade over at the airport with uh, the terrorist out there, the shooter at the Fort airport. And I, I will give uh, them a little bit better grade on their response, but what the media was showing was just plain havoc people running around the tarmac with luggage without luggage going towards the airplane going away from the airplane jumping over fences there was like no organization whatsoever and it's hard to have organization in chaos but there was just something about it and there's something about his office that doesn't jive up but i'm not going to convict a man without a fair trial so the Florida Department of Law Enforcement coming in and doing their thing, and we're going to have a show on that after the findings are published and what they actually determined. Who knew what? Who was calling the shots? And here's something that is just rumored, but I'm going to throw it out there. Did Sheriff Israel transmit on the radio during the event of the shooting occurring in Parkland and if he did, what did he transmit? 
And did that make him supreme commander of the incident? Yep, folks. He wants to talk about leadership. I'm just throwing that out there. Don't know if it happened. I'm not a part of no investigation. But if it is, let's keep our eye on that one. Eight. And uh, our last story, Florida. It's another Florida story. The program allows school staff to become special deputies so they can carry at work. Barbson Park, Florida. A school in a Florida in Florida will join the program that allows staff to become special de- deputies so they can carry firearms at work. WTVT reports that Weber International University announced partnership with the Paul County Sheriff's Department to determine the Sentinel program. The volunteer program will allow school staff to be armed at school under current Florida law. Only law enforcement members can carry on school property. This program will get around that by making staffers special deputies. We're going to send the message to those people that you're not coming onto our campus being the only person on the campus with the firearms, Sheriff Grady Judd said. Gun control is clearly in the place in place on school campuses in the state of Florida. How did how did it work last week in Broward County? It didn't work. So the sheriff over in Polk County has this uh, program that is called the Sentinel Program, and it's I think it's it's an interesting program that needs to be looked at. That's that's, that's what I'll say. I think they might be front runners on this program because I, I this just carry a gun, this okay corral thing that's going on. You know, you just open up your drawer. I think I'll take this one today, honey, and you go to and you go to school with it on. It's uh, not the way it's going to happen, but that's how it sounds like it's going to be. So I, I I would look into this Sentinel program. I think it it makes a lot of sense. All right, folks, well, that concludes our segment on El Police Radio News. Now let's get back to the meat and potatoes. Welcome back to episode 25. I'm your host, Alpha Mike. And what are we talking about? We're talking about it's funny. How humor can bring you through your law enforcement career by the day by the pay period, by the month, and through your career every year. Humor bonds that you have with the team that you are journeying with your, with you during your career. You basically, that bond is a glue that sticks you guys together. That although you've seen things that are hurtful, spiteful, evil, vindictive, things that the eye doesn't like to look at, the mind doesn't want to deal with, and the body doesn't even want to react to. But that one element that defeats everything is humor. And humor is, it makes the body feel good. That's what humor does. And if it wasn't for that, it would have been much more difficult in my career to have a successful ending. I know a lot of guys that worked in law enforcement that just were too serious. They couldn't crack a joke. It, it just it was beneath them. I don't know how they did it, but I know how I did it and I enjoyed it. I had segments in my career where I worked on the field. I, I was out doing my thing. And then I uh, transitioned towards the end of my career for seven years as an instructor. And people would see me teaching, and then I, I would crack a series of jokes and stuff like that. And they would say, you used to be so serious. What happened? Oh, I was always like this. If you were part of my team and my journey from early on, you would know that. But what they were confused because they had seen my game face, but they never really saw the other side. And 
the ones that did see it were my my law enforcement family. They're the ones that knew that I had that type of personality. And I enjoyed it, and it made me laugh. Why did I bring all this up? Why is this episode actually here? Well, when we actually did the programming, we came up with the first show was going to be about um, the Second Amendment, I believe. That was going to be episode 25. And then I got the bad news about Sergeant Garcia uh, passing away. And most people would have had more time to get through that scenario, heal a little bit better before you get into a segment like this. But there was one unique characteristic that Gordo had. Gordo was the nickname that we had for him. It basically means chubby. And for those that work very closely to Gordo and with Gordo, knows that he had one characteristic. He was seldom, if ever, upset. Never. He walked around, and you never saw him upset. He was always pleasant to be around. He was always servient to the ranks that were below him. This man would be called at any time of the night, and he could be off duty. And there was a problem brewing, and officers were called just for advice. And his response was, don't do anything, I'm on my way. And he get in his car, and he show up and start typing away, whether he's on vacation. The only way he wouldn't show up if there was a physical barrier. He was on a cruise ship and couldn't swim over fast enough. But that's who he was. But I know Godot one characteristic that he had that when I sat down to reflect on his life and his impact that it had on my career, I thought of this one characteristic and that's why I kind of changed the schedule and I said, no, I want to do this segment now. It's funny uh, because I think it's time to, to talk about it. He had one characteristic, no matter how frustrating everything was and people were trying to make decisions and and there was uh, times that there were real bad situations. But if I cracked a joke and I had uh, seldom, uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, I would, I would always crack some type of joke, break the ice. Godot had this little little laugh this little giggle that it was genuine it is something that is in my memory banks and it will always be in my memory banks anybody that mentions his name that's what I will remember that little giggle because the little giggle what it meant is everything's going to be okay we're going to get through this Folks, let's have that conversation. You know, earlier I read um, a little on the Hudson Post, I believe it is. It's going to be posted on lpoliceradio.com about the study on humor, and I also talked about how the medical profession likes to fluctuate, saying that laughing is good for the soul, it's good for the body, it's good for the heart, then 10 years later, they tell you that a laboratory rat died uh, in giggling, so it's actually bad for you, and it's all about keeping the business of the laboratory open and funded. So I don't really understand too much the medical profession. We all know about the media. They're coming going sometimes. You can't really bank on too much what they say. So I went in depth. I said, you know what? I really want to find out what 
if this is a good thing, if laughing is good, I mean, I, I believe it's good. I've always believed it's good. But then I said, I want to find out. So I turned to what? I turned to the scripture, the Bible. This is what the Lord says. And I'm not going to read because there's a whole long list of laughter and humor in the Bible, believe it or not. But I'll read some. Proverbs 17.22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Psalms 126.2, then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said, among the nations, the Lord has done great things. Job 8.21 He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouting. Proverbs 15.13 A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is crushed. Genesis 21.6 And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. Psalms 2.4 He who sits on the heavens laughs. And I can go on and I can go on and I can go on. What does it mean? Well, what it means is that God has a sense of humor. Just like God gave us a conscience to know that we've the difference between right and wrong, and we know about Cain and Abel in the Bible, God created the conscience for you to discern between right and wrong. But God gave us seasons too, and that's in Scripture. There's a season to laugh. There's a season to cry. There's a season to be joyful. There's a season to worry. There's a season to war. So there's a lot of things that we're going to experience in our journey, in our walk, in our life. But one of the greatest gifts that God gave us was the gift of humor, of laughter. Why did he invent it? Why couldn't we be robotic? You know, people talk and we just, like if you're on CNN and you're a freaking anchor, stone face. Why did he bring that unique quality in all our lives that would make us laugh? Because I honestly believe with all my heart and with all my soul that laughter makes the soul pleasant. That laughter allows us to be closer to God. That laughter through joy is the defeater of evil. God created humor for a sole purpose, and that's for our betterment. And I'm convinced of that. Don't go through life with a bitter face, anger, upset. You cannot control the uncontrollable. Can you really control other people? Well, we would like to believe, but the answer is no. Scripture even tells us, don't even trust a person that lies next to you in bed. You can only control yourself. And controlling your attitude is important. To not talk negative and be a negative Nancy, but to talk positive. To reaffirm what is good. To laugh chuckle. Recently I heard the comedian George Wallace on some of his uh, interviews and when you ever see an interview with George Wallace he can't resist but throw a bunch of jokes out there and in the middle of his interview he starts talking to the interviewer and he says you know, one thing I can't understand is people that you owe money to and creditors and they call you. 
White people get so upset. They see the phone ring and they go, oh, no, they're calling. Don't answer the phone. Or they answer the phone and then they want to argue with the guy on the other end. And so comedian George Wallace said, no, the way to handle it is when you pick up the phone, you laugh. But you see, you have to be laughing before you pick up the phone. So you generally, <laughs> hello, hello? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean that, that's me. Yeah, uh huh. Credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll see what we can do. Okay, thanks for calling. You've left the person on the other end completely confused. They were expecting a fight, but you defeated them. So it was just something that he said in an interview, and it clicked when I was doing the research for this. It's true. You can defeat so many things with a laughing spirit, a good spirit, a humor spirit. And you should also conduct your life like that. Get closer to God. Get to know God. How do you get to know Him? Well, I've always said it and I'll say it again. By renouncing the sins of your Life, we've all sinned, we all continue to sin, we are all sinners. But what makes us new is our commitment towards Jesus and believing that he's Lord and Savior and that he's powerful to forgive us of our sins because God gave us the name of Jesus above all names. And as a result of that, we are saved through him when we renounce our sins, confess our sins, and ask for forgiveness with a pure heart. And God is a specialist in looking at what a pure heart is. I've said that so many times on this show, and I know it's touched some people. I know that for a fact. So I continue to recite the same thing. I continue to say the same thing. You see, you don't find God. God finds you. He knew you before you were even born. He knew who you were when you were in your mother's womb. So God knows your beginning and he knows your end. But more importantly, he knows your story. How, how important it is to hang out and be friends with the person that knows everything about you. Think about your closest friend. Do they know everything about you? Of course not. But if you pick in Jesus being your friend, you can be guaranteed 100%. He knows everything about you. Everything. What, what a wonderful friend that could be. That will guide you, help you, and lead you into salvation. Recently, Reverend Billy Graham passed away at the age of 99. And I don't think there's too many people on this earth that have not heard him preach. And I don't want to get into a big uh, issue on his preaching or his style or this or that. But I want to emphasize on one thing that he had a common saying in a lot of his preaching. And he would basically said, say, I prefer to die once and live twice than to live once and die twice. And for a lot of people, they didn't know what that meant. Basically, what he was saying is, without God, without my sins being forgiven, I would die two deaths. I would literally die as an old person or whatever God has planned out for us. And because I was absent from God, my soul would die. So in, in essence, I would die twice. But I only lived once. 
But how great is it to live twice and to die once? What does that mean? Well, we're born and we live. But when God finds us and we commit and we connect with God, He forgives us of our sins. We ask for salvation in Jesus. Now we're reborn. Remember the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. When Nicodemus says, Lord, how can, I'm old. How can I be reborn in my mother's womb? And Jesus tells him, truly you are a teacher of Israel, but you cannot understand. Basically what he was saying, you can't understand something that you never lived. You never lived what I'm saying. Reborn, be new, remove the sin from your life, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and live twice. So when you die, you will live eternally. And that's something that Billy Graham would say in a lot of his services. I never forgot it. I have a firm believer. I'm a firm believer that I can never hear anybody talk, speak, teach, and not learn anything from them. I heard Reverend Billy Graham many, many times. That stuck in my head. And I can repeat it today and allow you to experience what I experienced. Hopefully it means something for you. My friend Gordo, I have deep condolences to every one of us that worked with him, to his family. And for those that are listening that never knew him, I could tell you, hopefully you will experience in your life a Gordo as well. Because to have that spirit of being a servant, not too many of us have. And it becomes much more difficult to do it every day. I will for always remember Gordo. And more importantly, I will always remember the giggle, which represented simply, we're going to get over this. And hopefully I can instill that to others. Let's have a moment of silence. Well, it's the end of our show. So what do we do at the end of the show? We do the plugins. You know that. How do you plug in with us? You go to lpoliceradio.com. You scroll down all the way down to the end, and that social network icons pop up. Twitter, Facebook, so forth. They're all there. All you got to do is hit one of them and connect with us. Subscribe. Recently, I've been getting some real positive feedback on the, on the podcast, and people are basically saying on a lot of the podcast, I did not know what you're telling me. And they are thanking me for enlightening them. Well, I can enlighten you because God has enlightened me with the ability to do this. And if it wasn't for him, I'd probably be babbling and not getting through to anybody. But since I know God's involved, I know there's a purpose. Will this podcast have a gazillion members Listening to it? I don't know, nor do I care. I know that when the mic goes on, there's a meaning behind what I'm saying because I've not created it. I'm only transmitting it. The creator is above. So you connect with us on lpoliceradio.com. Don't forget our brother station, leatherneck7.com. And, and, and plug in with them. And month of March, this month, we're in it. Uh, 09 Training Group is going to be launched, uh, 30 to 40-minute podcast. Uh, 
on different curriculums, different subjects. <clears throat> so listen to that and, um, and connect with us as well. It's been my pleasure. It's been my honor to be here as your humble host on El Police Radio. This is Alpha Mike looking up and fired up. God bless. See you soon.